Well, we have some guests with us from Montana this morning that I am very happy to host this weekend. We have Pastor Bob and Cindy Johnson from Great Falls. Bob is our regional director in MFI. MFI is Ministers Fellowship International. It is the association that uh, Josh and Stacy and Sarah and I uh, belong to, and, and numerous previous pastors of our church have been in MFI, and I'm very happy to introduce them to you this morning, and Bob's got the word of the Lord for us, so welcome Pastor Bob. We are blessed to be here. I've, I've uh, known Mitch from the conference coming. We have an A2 conference once a year up in the, normally in the Spokane area, and Coeur d'Alene, and, and we've got to know him from that, and I got to come down and visit, but this is the first time uh, we've really spent any time in LaGrand. I really like this town. Uh, you're, you're kind of my kind of people. Most of you either have boots or tennis shoes on, which, which is, I, I got tennis shoes because I'm boots. And I got a boot, too. Yeah, there you go. I got one of each. But you're just, uh, you're just people, you know, like... Uh, Real, uh, we're uh, our city's a little bit. Uh, we're a town, really. They say Great Falls is a big town. We're about sixty thousand. Our people are kind of like you guys, and so I feel really, we feel really at home here. We got to drive around. See, so it's actually kind of a cool little town. You have a lot of my wife loves antiques and old stores and stuff, and you got that down there, and and we just really appreciate you guys are well pastored. Uh, we yeah, really well. Give my hand. I mean, yeah. Um, we just uh, really appreciate Mitch and Sarah. They're just uh, uh, really wonderful people. Uh, I, I pastored in Great Falls for 38 years. Cindy and I pioneered the church 30, uh, 40 years ago. Two and a half years ago, we turned it over to my son-in-law. And now what I do is just travel and go to other churches and, and uh, help them out or preach for them or teach for them or whatever. You, you really begin to appreciate the difference in the body of Christ, but also the similarity. And certain things you look for when you see a church, and, and you guys have a really sweet spirit here. Uh, there's just something, there's a love for Jesus in this place, and I, I really believe it's a reflection of your pastor. In fact, I was thinking of the message I have for today. You probably heard a lot of what I'm going to talk about, just knowing your pastor and, and how you guys relate. I'm going to talk about... The Father's heart and God's love for you. That's probably the most important thing if you get that. And, and I think this is a place where you get that. So um, let's pray. And then I'm going to get started and uh, try to remember how to preach. It's been four and a half months. So uh, let's pray together. Lord, we just uh, really thank you for this time. God, I thank you for this wonderful gathering of people. Lord, you, you so love your people, God. And, and, uh, it's hard for us sometimes to grasp the depth of your love. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would take my words, whatever I say, and, God, you would breathe life into it and spirit into it. And, God, you'd speak it to every individual heart. Lord, you know the, you know the personal condition of each person. You know where they are and what, what they're dealing with, what their life's like, what's, what's, what circumstances are happening. And, God, I, I believe you want to individually speak as you always do, God, and you do it by your Spirit. So, God, guide my words and my thoughts, and let this be done for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, 
Amen. So, in First uh, John three one, I want, uh, this message is actually my kind of a life message for me. It's uh, maybe my favorite message. I've preached this a lot of different ways, probably fifty times in my life, in churches all over the world. Actually, it's First John three one says this: How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. This. I love that expression, lavished, like he just poured out on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. Before we are anything else, before I'm a pastor, before I'm a husband, before I'm a father, I'm a son of God. That, that amazes me. Um, and if you think about who you are, and, and it's good to have an idea of who you actually are, <laughs> it's amazing that God says, that's my son, that's my daughter, and, uh, and how he feels towards you. A.W. Tozier is a devotional writer from the 40s and 50s. He's probably my favorite author, and he has a quote. He says, when it comes to our, what comes to our minds when we think about God is, is the most important thing about us. Think about that. The way you see God the way you really think he is and what you think about him probably determines just about everything in your life or at least influence. We, we got to go to dinner with Mitch the other night and just as you shared your testimony, uh, I was thinking about this. Actually, when I was praying over the message, I thought Mitch has a high view of God. Um, he, he sees that that's really God. And because of that, he has a deep commitment to him. If, if, you, if you have a lower view of God, it's harder to be committed. But when you see who God really is, you say, I have no choice but to give everything I have to you, Lord, because of who you are. Uh, what, what I want to talk about today, though, is a specific aspect of God. And, and honestly, I believe it's the most important. And that's how his heart is towards you as a father. Um, I, I realize next week's Mother's Day, so you can preach a mother sermon. Uh, we actually had a guy preach in our church one time on the mother heart of God. And this is in Montana with a lot of fairly rough people in our church, and they didn't handle that well at all. <laughs> I mean, essentially he was saying he had a tender heart towards us, but he, he probably could have phrased it a little different. <laughs> but, but I want to talk about his heart as a father. And... Uh, when I, this, again, this is a message I've preached many times, and originally I had like nine or 12 points or something like that, and, uh, and I realize you have two services, so I'm only going to give you four. Uh, I've condensed it. Actually, I'm going to give you an extra one. I was just thinking of it during worship. Um, in Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord uh, takes delight in you. He, he will... He would delight in you, in his love over you, and he'll rejoice over you with singing. Have you ever read that before? It says God sings over us. And um, I have, I'm, I'm going to walk a little bit. Um, I have uh, four children and 13 grandchildren. And uh, my, what, what I, I, when I, my kids were little, I kind of thought of myself as sort of the, the, the kid whisperer. Um, I I've, I've felt like a baby if you pat them in rhythm to their heart, they calm down. At least I thought I could do this. And, and uh, I used to take my girls, and I would, I would walk around with them, and I'd pat them like this, and I'd sing over them. 
And when I read that scripture in Zephaniah, that's the picture God, I, 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 God doing that with us. Now, now, some of you guys are some pretty big fellas. And women probably tap into this a little easier than guys, but God carries us close to his heart, and he sings it. My, my daughter's name was Amy, and I actually wrote a song. You guys want to hear it? It's a, I, I would sing, Amy McKell, my little bell, everybody knows you're mine. That's it. That's the whole song. <laughs> Amy McKell, my little bell. Every, and I would, I would walk around the house, and I'd hold my little girl, and I'd pat her back, and I would sing. And by the way, she's uh, 46 years old now. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, but, she, but, but they've heard me tell this story, and they, all the kids think about that song. and they, every, Everybody in my church can sing that song, by the way. Um, but, but what it is, it's an expression of how deeply God and how personally He likes you. <laughs> And by the way, I've been a Christian a long time, and I've worked with Christians for most of my adult life, and uh, a lot of Christians struggle with the idea that God actually likes them the way you are. So that was all extra, so I'll give you that one. So, but let me give you the four that I, I want to um, put in your heart today. Number one is this, that God loves us unconditionally. Um, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, so Jesus went to a cross and died for you, not when you were sitting in church on Sunday morning looking good, but when you were at your very worst. Now, now I, I, you know, I, I don't know hardly any of you. And even the ones I met yesterday, I can't remember any of your names because uh, I'm an old guy. I, I couldn't remember when I was younger either. But some of you, maybe, maybe a good portion, you've lived all your life, you've been a Christian, you've lived a good life. But some of us haven't. And all of us were sinners. And, and all of us have darkness and brokenness in us. And it's that very worst time. He, that Jesus went to the cross for you. Um, Psalm 103, uh, again, one of the things I love about this sermon, I get to use a lot of my favorite scriptures. Psalm, Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we're only dust. The Message Bible says he remembers we're made of mud. The truth is we're not much. And... And even when I try to do my best, I, I mess up sometimes. And that's why it's so important. The Bible teaches God unconditionally loves us. Um, when I was a young Christian, and, and maybe this is your experience, I, I got saved at four and a half, but then I had about 12 years of horrible backsliding. went from my about 17 till I was 29. And... Uh, at 29, my wife and I we were telling the story a little bit last night. We were two hippies, walked into a Pentecostal church in Kenai, Alaska, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It just transformed us. Everybody had suits and ties and dresses on, and we had bib overalls. And uh, Jesus met us there, and he, he changed it. And then, then probably for several years... 
God did a lot of, of uh, reprogramming of my brain. How many, how many experienced that when you first came to the Lord? God has to change the way you think. And um, one, one day uh, I was at work. I, I worked in uh, shift work, and, and I was witnessing to my, the guy that I work with. There were three of us on a night crew, and, and I, I, I just didn't do it very well. And uh, he, uh, and we were coming home at eight o'clock in the morning. We worked a night shift, and we're tired. If you ever work shifts, you, you might know what I'm talking about. You're just kind of exhausted, and and we were talking about the Lord. And he just basically blew me off. And when I was driving away, I was I was thinking, as I kind of talking to the Lord, I said, you know, how am I going to be a pastor? I by that time I'd felt like God had called me to be a pastor, and. So I can't even share the gospel. God, I'm sorry. I'm just a loser. I can't do it. And, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And, and, and there, there have been a few times in my life when I've almost heard a voice. And, and it's normally when God's trying to change the way I think. I mean, you, know, you, you need to change the way you think. And, and this is what he said. He said, son, I'm never going to love you any more than I love you right now. And when he said that, like a whole history of my life got corrected. What, what I realized, all my life I'd felt a burden to earn love. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I was a pretty good student, but I'd bring home four A's and a B, and my dad would say, let's work on that B. And what I would hear is, you're not quite good enough. Now, that wasn't my dad's intention at all, but that, you know, we, we, we process things. Uh, in, in my marriage, there was always a, a feeling that I had to, had to be a certain way, and then my wife would love me. But if I ever didn't measure up to that way, maybe she'd quit loving me. Uh, when, when I was in college, I, 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 um, I, I was kind of the life of the party sometimes, but I thought if I'm not the life of the party, what, they won't like me. And actually, one time I went through, I just holed up in my room for three days. I didn't want to see anybody because I was just... I thought I, I couldn't measure up. How, how many identify with that? Just the sense you have to be something. And God speaks to me and says, Son, you, you, in my mind, I just failed. And he says, I'm never going to love you anymore. You're not going to ever get more love from me by doing something. You get love from me because I've given it to you. Honestly, it was, it was the beginning of God really beginning to set something free in my life. God loves you the way you are right now. And he doesn't love Mitch more because Mitch is more together or the pastor. He loves you totally. You're the apple of his eye. Um, you're, you, you delight him. E even when you're in your brokenness. And, and, and it's because he sees things that you don't see. So number one, he loves you unconditionally. Number, um, number two, he loves you with vision. I really like this. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Romans 8, 29 says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. This is from the Message Bible. He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in line of humanity, he restored. We see the original the original and intended shape of our lives, they're in him. 
God, God has a vision for every one of you. Um, when uh, the night that Cindy and I, actually the four of us came to this church and with our bib overalls and long hair and flannel shirts. Those were the skinny jeans of the day, by the way, bib overalls. And, uh, and uh, standing in the back of this Pentecostal, everybody's, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Scared the daylights out of us. Um, when, when we went down afterwards for prayer, the pastor, when he prayed over me, he, he prayed over Cindy and I, and he said, God has given me an amazing faith picture for you too. Now, I honestly had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but it sounded so cool. <laughs> and, and I believe he was speaking the heart of God. Actually, kind of the extra part of that story, uh, that pastor had to get out of ministry for a season, kind of discouraged. And I ran into him years later at a conference, and now I, I was pastoring a church and I went up to him, and I said, I don't know if you remember, he was just a guest speaker at our church, and I told him what he did. He started to weep, and I said, you know, it's amazing. I know you fell, and you're in the process of getting restored, but God used you to touch two little hippies' lives and transform them, and that word stuck in our heart. still sticks in my heart today, but see, God sees you with vision, and he sees and the vision isn't to be a pastor or a missionary, or it's, it's to be like Jesus. That's, that's real vision. And so he's always, always working in your life to produce that. And that's why sometimes you go through things. How many have ever gone through things you didn't like? Five of you? Do you guys, like, reached heaven or something here? Uh, actually, let, let me give you a scripture in, in Hebrews 12, 6. It says, the child he loves, he disciplines, and the child he embraces, he also corrects. Now, now when we think of God's discipline and correction, you know, so God had to spank me. It's like I messed up, so God's correct. And it, it, it's never like that. It's always so that you'll be more like Jesus. And so he's, he's always working in your life and, 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 and trimming stuff and working stuff and disciplining stuff. Because he has such incredible vision for who you'll be and what you'll become. And, and he, he just never quits on that. It's always working. And, and, and sometimes when things happen, and you know, when I mess up, and, I, and, and, and by the way, sometimes you reap the consequences. How many know when you sin, you reap consequences? And, but as a believer, it's not just the consequence for sin. It's all still... God still, his hand is in that working because he sees something in you far beyond what you could imagine, far beyond what you could imagine. Uh, when I've, you know, pastored for 40 years and married lots of couples, and, and one of the things I tell them, have vision for your spouse. See, see beyond what the natural shows you. I tell leaders that, same thing. Have vision for the people you lead. There's something about when people believe in you that gives you courage. When this pastor spoke over these two kids and said, God's given me a faith picture, that put something in our heart. It put a courage and a strength. And Well, the creator of the universe 
speaks over you. What's your name? Sam. Sam? He speaks over you, Sam. And he says, I, I see you looking like my son, Jesus. Now, Sam, if you're normal, you think, I'm a long way from there. <laughs> God doesn't think like that. For one thing, he doesn't think in time. He see, thinks in everything is happening instantaneously, right? He, blow your mind to even try to contemplate that. But, so he actually sees you now looking like Jesus. And his spirit is always working in that. He never quits on you. He just continually works that in your life. And so when you get discouraged or you think, God, I've blown it, God. Have you ever done this? You ever prayed and said, repented for something? You said, I think, God, you're just tired of me, aren't you? (laughs) I mean, is that real? I mean, I, I think like that. God, you're so tired of me repenting for the same stupid thing over and over. But he, he doesn't think like that. He said, no, you're my son. You're my creation. And, and it may take a hundred times, but Sam, we're going to get there. And when you're in heaven, you will be like Jesus. But even now, there's the, there's the shaping and the molding of God. He just never, never quits on you. He sees this, and he sees vision in your life. And when he disciplines you, it's because he loves you dearly. My, my wife, I shared this with the leaders yesterday. My wife, her philosophy of raising kids, I want to raise kids that other people love. It, it, it helped us so much because she saw them with vision. One day she came to me and she said, I believe that we have the worst kids in the church. <laughs> I actually had a guest pastor there, and I was, you know, I'm such a gracious husband. I said, Tell her she's out of her mind. <laughs> I mean, she's a normal mother. There were times she thought they were demon-possessed. <laughs> but the undercurrent she had was, I, I want to see them be loved by people. God sees us, and he, he doesn't get discouraged. <laughs> and he sees you, Sam. Actually, I believe God wants you to hear that. He sees you looking like Jesus, Sam. And, and he will never quit on you. That's actually... Uh, point, point number three is that he's faithful. Romans 8 uh, loves us faithfully. Romans 8, 39 says, No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jeremiah 31, 3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you. This, I love this scripture. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. And with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I, I share with you that I got saved when I was four and a half. And when I was a boy, I had a really close relationship with the Lord. Um, I, I mean, I didn't even think of it that way. I, Jesus was my best friend. But when I got my middle teen years, I, I wanted to fit in. I don't know if you can identify with this. And uh, I, I started a gradual process. When I was 17, I went away to college, and I ran away from God. I, I, I left home, and I left my faith. In those days, I got on a train, actually, from Montana to come out to Oregon to go to school. And, uh, and I, I ran hard from God. And I would, uh, I would actually look for Christians to talk to so I could tell them, 
so I could show them how wrong they were because I was, I was uh, belligerent and I was uh, full of pride and arrogance. And, and secretly, I wanted one of them to convince me. But you know what? God knew exactly what I needed. He'd send sweet little old ladies to me <laughs> who would put their arm around me and say, Bob, Jesus loves you. And it would it'd just make me angry because I couldn't fight against it. But it also was exactly what I needed to begin to soften my heart. And then God's time and in God's way, I, I, I broke and I came back to Jesus. And, and the emptiness, the loneliness that I had for 12 years was suddenly filled up again. Cindy and I, uh, um, two and a half years ago, transitioned the church. And, and uh, I, I'm the only pastor that church had ever known. We, we started out with nine, and now we had about 900 people. And uh, I had to tell the church that I was not going to be their pastor any longer. And, and so we, we, we had a series of meetings. We met with a staff, and then we met with the elders, and then we met with the, we call the core leaders, and then we have our greater leadership team that I told the church. And, and every meeting we had was really emotional. Um, and we, we just, we cried. We just, uh, uh, Cindy, we'd just be driving to church, she'd start crying. And, and I thought, well, I'm not sad doing this. I really believed it was the will of God. I was, I, I felt at peace about it. I think why I was crying, I think God showed me, it was because I look back, and every time I would tell them that we were passing this, I just realized how faithful God was in my life, how faithful he was to help us. We, we didn't know anything. When, when I started the church, I had two secrets. I had never led an adult to the Lord. I worked in kids' ministry, but I had never prayed with a, an adult to get meet Jesus. Uh, partly our pastor was kind of paranoid and wouldn't let anybody else but him and one other elder pray. Um, and I'd never read the whole Bible. I'd read parts a whole bunch. In fact, actually, right after I, I became a pastor, I went on a 15-day fast, went away, and read the whole Bible. So if anybody said, you ever read the whole Bible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd only preached five times. There, there were some issues <laughs> in our church. And, yet God, and we didn't know what we were doing. And yet God just helped us all the way. There's a scripture I was reading in, this morning in uh, Psalm 37, 25. says, uh, I, I, I was, once was young, now I'm old. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's me, Lord. <laughs> he said, but I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or a seed begging for bread. When, when I was a young man, I read that, and I, I went down. My dad had a business. I went down to his business and said, Pop, Pop, guess what? I'm never going to have to beg for bread because you're a righteous man. <laughs> but now I look at it from the old man's perspective, and I realize God's never forsaken us. I mean, our life has had some really painful things in it. I mean, everybody's life has that. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And, and, and we, we've had things that have knocked us to our knees. We have things that have, have at the time, seemed like they crushed our heart. But God never forsook us. There, there have been times when I felt like I deserved to be forsaken. He never quit on me. 
He walked with me. He was beside me. He taught me. We started with these four adults and five little kids. We start this church, and I'm telling now 900 people on Sunday morning. I look out, and I say, how is that possible? Because he's faithful. I really want you to hear this. He's faithful in your life. And there's, there's some gray hairs here that could tell you that. Now, I, it, it hasn't been always easy. There, there are things we've struggled with and, and hurt with and gone through. But, but in all of it, God's just faithful. He'll be faithful with you till you go home to be with him. And, and then you'll see how really faithful he actually was. My mom and dad, uh, um, I, was, I told you about the guy that prophesied over us that we were called to ministry, which kind of freaked us out. We didn't even know hardly what that was. But one of the things in that prophecy he said, you'll see a day when your, your natural father will be beside you with his hands lift up worshiping. My dad was a, a Baptist. He wouldn't raise his hands if he had to go to the bathroom. He wouldn't raise <laughs> And uh, the last 12 years of his life, my dad became a part of our church, moved down here, and, and faithfully, faithfully served in our church. Probably the most beloved man in our church. Uh, at his funeral, I, I spoke at his funeral. I said, my dad's probably the most loved man in church. My associate pastor, his name is Lee Barrels. He, he's probably second. I'm probably 20th or 23rd. <laughs> but on my dad's 90th birthday, we had a celebration. We, we, we decided anybody makes 90, we're going to have a party for him. And uh, I had a guest speaker there, and they were sitting at the table, and the guest speaker uh, he was kind of one of those guys, he asked a lot of questions. He was just really fascinated by people. And he said, what was the best time in your life? In all your years together, uh, my, my dad had a last probably 20 years of his life. His, his heart was about thir- one-third, and so he, he spoke with a whisper. And, but he ran all our building projects. He was really smart, and he, he'd have to sit in a chair, and he'd tell people what to do. But they loved him. And, and my mom used a walker, and so their, their health wasn't great, and they're sitting at a table. So what was the best time in your life? And, and simultaneously, they both said, right now. He goes, what? <laughs> they said, we're, we're, we're with our family. We're in a church we love. We, we, Jesus has been so good to us. This is the best time in our life. Why? Because they, they saw God, how faithful God was. I'm telling you, maybe you're here today, maybe you, this whole Christian thing is kind of, you're just checking it out or something. Let me tell you, when you give your life to God, he takes care of what you give to him, and he will be faithful to you all of your life. And, and when you get, when, there's, one of the things I like, one of the things I dislike about being old is it hurts. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, I got a group. Uh, I have my own small group. We call ourselves the Porch Dogs. We're like old dogs lay on a porch. <laughs> we're all s- between seventy and eighty, and and we all hurt, but we're all grateful. And uh, there, 
when you get, when you look back, you see, you have perspective. You say, man, every step away, God, you helped us to do stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. I never knew what I was doing as a pastor. I was always over my head. Always. And yet God did it anyway. Because he's faithful. Let me, let me give you the last one. And this is, this is, uh, this is really cool. God is redemptive. His love is redemptive. He, he always is restoring. Um, I, I need help with this one. Luke was going to... Where, where are you, Luke? All right, can you go in the back? Luke's going to be... I, w- I want to show you how this works. Uh, I, Mitch, I may need help getting down. Okay, just, just a shoulder. Just a shoulder, brother. Yes, sir. Okay. Now I'm free. <laughs> so in Luke 15, this is actually my favorite passage in the Bible. Luke 15, uh, Jesus is talking about how he values people. And he talks, uh, first of all, he talks about a, uh, tells a story. By the way, I, I believe all his stories were true stories. I, I, I think he, you know, he, he saw it happen. And if, if you've seen The Chosen, actually, you kinda, they have that kind of element where you see where he got his parables from in, some of the, in, in the movie The Chosen, or the series The Chosen. But anyway, he talks about a, a lost coin. A woman loses a coin, and, and that's hard for us to grasp, but let's say it was $10,000, and how many could get into it then? All right. And, but it was really valuable, and they search the house, and they find it, and she calls all her friends, if you know the passage. And then he talks about a lost sheep, how the shepherd leaves the sheep and goes out and looks for the sheep that's lost and brings it home. And again, they celebrate. And then he tells this just amazing story about a son. And see, I was a prodigal son, so this, is, this story means a lot to me. And uh, what it, the, the setting is this, the, the kid says, uh, listen, I want to, I'm tired of the rules. By the way, that, that was the, almost exactly what was going on in my head. I'm tired of the rules. I want to I do my own thing. Give me my inheritance. Let me go. And it's interesting. The father lets him go. God doesn't make you do stuff. Well, it's, once you submit to him, he, he kind of pushes you to do stuff pretty hard. But, but he, he lets you have the choice. And, and the boy leaves, and he has a great time. The Bible actually says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And, and I, I know when I had my freedom, I, I, I was a, a better sinner than my friends because I knew I was sinning, and I was doing it intentionally. And so I was more purposeful in it. We won't go there any farther, but anyway, um, the boy goes away, and it says he, he spent everything he had, spent his whole inheritance, and eventually begins to pay the price for it. And he, he's so hungry, and you've got to remember this is a Jewish audience it's, it, that he's talking to. He said he was so hungry, he found a job feeding pigs, and he would have eaten the pig food if they'd let him. Nobody cared about him at all. He's starving to death. And then one translation says, he, then he came to the end of himself. Um, NLT says he came to his senses. He said, man, people have it better at home. The servants at home have food to spare, and I'm starving to death. I'm going to go home. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. 
And I'm no longer worthy to be a son. Truthfully, none of us are worthy to be a son or a daughter. Sometimes if you grew up in the church and you've always served God, and at the end of the story, the older brother kind of has that attitude, you, you do think, well, I'm kind of worthy, but you're not. None of us are worthy of God. Because it's not based on that, it's based on him. He says, I, so he starts off home. Now, when I would first read that story, I would have a picture like Little House on the Prairie, you know. He, the father comes out of his house and looks. But people didn't live out in the countryside. It was too dangerous. They lived in towns. But that father looked for his son all the time. Now, I, I had uh, my, my youngest is my son, and he's, a, he's an artist, and he's a musician. And he had a season in his life, uh, and, and, and I really understand because I'm kind of wired that way too, where he's... He just kind of went the other way and was wrestling with God. And, and I would just yearn for him. I, I, would, I, I, I would just, I'd get, in the middle of the night, I'd get up beside my bed and pray. I'd say, God, please. And, and so here, the word comes that the son's coming home. I, I'll tell you what it was like. My son is, is probably the best musician in our church. And he took himself off the worship team. He said, he's, he's actually an honorable kid. Even as a sinner, he just was really nice. <laughs> and, and, and really honorable. He said, I'm not qualified to be on the worship team. And he said, so he stepped down. And when he was coming back, he, he, he said, well, I'll, I'll run sound for you. But I, I, I shouldn't be up on the stage. And, uh, and then, then they started... Uh, the worship team leader started getting him up and saying, would you play, because he's the best guitar player in the church, he can play bass, and so he, he was just playing. And one Sunday, I, I always sit right here in church, and a, a lot of times I have, you probably do it too, kind of a uh, come to Jesus meetings before you preach, where God's working on your heart. And, and so I'm praying, I'm worshiping, and, and I, my head's down, and, and I hear his voice. And he's leading out a song. And I know that he's, he's coming home. <laughs> so I know what that father felt. I, by the way, I watched all my kids, all my grandkids. I, I watched to see if they raise their hands, if they clap, I get excited. If they jump, I go crazy. <laughs> and so, so the father's watching. And what a great name, Luke. He's watching for Luke. And word comes to him, Luke's coming home. And, and, and probably what it is, somebody saw him. says, I saw Luke on the road. And word comes to the father. And it says, the father runs to Luke. Now, I can't run. Okay. But I'm going to walk as fast as I can. And, and I want you to catch the, 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 the son's heart is this. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. And... and so Luke's my son here, okay? And, and when he sees him, Luke starts to say this, Dad, I, I don't belong. I know this, but would you just let me be a sir? And the dad goes, stop. <laughs> and he grabs him, and then he takes him, and he walks into town with him. And you've you got to realize, in the town, and in those days, they didn't have TV. They didn't have Internet. What they had was gossip. And so people are seeing this. 
And they're saying, do you know what Luke did? And that father's bringing him back, and he says, shut up. Be quiet. Be, don't say a word. He walks in front of the whole town. He comes to the town square in front of everybody. And he said, bring him the best robe. Do you, you know what a robe is? It signifies righteousness. He's filthy. He's been feeding pigs. He's beat up. He feels like he has no value at all. And the father says, bring the best robe. He puts righteousness on him. And then he says, this is so cool. He said, takes his ring off. That represents his authority. What right do we have to have the authority of Jesus? He says, here, son. But, but dad, I'm, I'm not worried. Here, my son. And then this cool, he's probably barefoot. He's put sandals on. The Bible says, it talks about the, the gospel of peace, the preparation of the gospel. It's, it means mission and purpose. Yeah. I'm, uh, when, when I came back to Jesus, I, didn't, I, I thought I was, maybe I could sit in the back. I never even dreamed I could pastor a church and care for his people. What right do I have? But he restores him. And then he says, kill the best cow. We're going to have a party. <laughs> he restores him right in front of everybody. And the boy's, boy's going, wow. <laughs> wow. Lord, you, you amaze me. <laughs> Maybe he wrote that song. I don't know. <laughs> Because God is redemptive. Give Luke a hand. Thanks, son. Welcome home. Now, now I got one last thing to share with you. Okay. My wife helps me with all my dysfunction. You work alongside and go to school with and live next door to Luke's. I really want you to catch this. I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed by Jesus. My father restored me. But he has tons of Luke's out there. God help me to point. I can't make them go home. But I can help them. And I can even say I'll walk with you home. Listen, your, your community, I just drive in the streets of this town and, and look at people. We, we, I, I talked to the waitress in the restaurant we went to and invited her to church, and she doesn't normally go. Listen, this is wonderful. You have, you have a wonderful church, but it's not just for you, see? And, and that's what this older brother, you know the rest of the story, how the older brother gets his Nose out of joint. Said, "Well, you never even killed a goat for me." And the dad says, "Don't you get it? Everything I have is yours." But we had to celebrate because your son, your brother came home, and so the, help them, help them. And you don't you don't have to be cool, and you don't have to be a super evangelist. Sometimes it's a little old lady coming up and putting an arm around a broken kid who's arrogant 
and, and, and just on edge and looks different from everybody else and says, you know, Bob, Jesus really loves you. Maybe that's all you have to do. But this city is filled with Luke's. And, and Lucas's. <laughs> I'm not sure what the feminine of Luke is. <laughs> because at the very core, the gospel is about a father whose heart is redemptive to you, but also to those around you. Can, can you say amen to that? Let me pray for you. Father, I, I just thank you for this wonderful church and these gracious, kind, loving people. Lord, I pray that you help us to reach those who are far from you. And God, I pray for those that are here today that maybe question your love or your heart for them. God, I pray you give them a new vision and a new security in you, Lord, to know how much and how deeply you love them. While your heads are bowed, I want to ask, and again, I don't know uh, most of you, I don't know, but maybe you're here and, and uh, you're, you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's maybe your first time here. You may have come a few times. Somebody's talked to you a little bit or you wouldn't probably be here. But I want to tell you, God's heart is for you. And, and he's actually moving in your heart right now and kind of stirring you if you're in that place. Or, or maybe you're like I was. Maybe you had a relationship with God and you walked away from it. I did, so lonely. I, I can just be feeling so lonely inside. I, I want you to know that your father is looking for you. And if you turn to him, he'll run to you. So if you either don't know the Lord or you want to come back to the Lord this morning, I, I want to just pray for you. If, if that's you, everybody else should be just praying. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. If there's anyone like that. I just, that's the deepest desire of my heart to see people come home to Jesus. All right, I want to pray for one other area. There's possibly people here that really struggle believing. You know it theologically, but in your, in your heart, it's hard to believe that God really loves you the way I talked about this morning. That he likes you and accepts you and has vision for you. And, and if you're that, if you're that way, you know, God's, he, that doesn't bother him. He just wants to help you in it. And so if you're in that place, if you struggle with understanding how God loves you and you'd like me to pray for you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. All right. Several like that. Okay. It's, honestly, I have seasons when I feel like that. Father, you, you see the hands of people that raised this morning. and God, I pray... Uh, Ultimately, we know your love through revelation. God, you just speak it to our heart. And so, God, I, I pray this morning, God, I pray that you speak something new and fresh into each heart, each person that raised their hand. God, that you have a fresh revelation of your love, that, that you know their name. 
you know them individually and personally, and you love them the way they are now. You, you see what they'll become, but God, you love them the way they are now. And if they never change, you will still love them the way they are. So God, help them to get that revelation, to help them know the love of God that passes understanding. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Bob.